Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Celtics fans all around the world, and welcome to another episode of the Celtics Reddit Podcast. My name is Ben Vallis, and I'm joined by the very talented and fellow Australian, Jackson. Hey, I'm glad you got the talented bit right. Thank you very much. How are you doing, man? It took a few episodes to realize the talent, but it's there, and it needed to be called out. Give me time. It'll seep through (laughs) sooner or later. Everyone will recognize it. (laughs) And we're joined by our mate from across the Tasman, from the land of Stephen Adams, among other things. Joe, how are you, Joe? Uh, There's not many other things, but I'm great. (laughs) (laughs) Good to hear, man. Coming up on the show, we're going to pour over the two games played since the last time we saw you. Uh, the Geno type win against the Hornets and the deflating yet promising loss to the Rockets. We'll check in on our closest rivals in another rendition of Opponent Watch. And, of course, we'll look at some of the top posts from around the Celtics subreddit over the past week and read out some of your comments and shout out some of you guys from the Reddit community. But first, March 1st, we had ourselves a Geno sighting. The 100... Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> we gotta work on we gotta work on that syncopated lyric uh, t- uh, instrumental man. Yeah. <laughs> the 134 to 106 win against the Charlotte Hornets. Jackson, what did you think of that game? How fun was that to watch? Seriously, like I think beyond the first six minutes of the first quarter, that was not even that was never in doubt, was it at all? I mean, when you shoot 62 percent from the floor. It, which I think was the first time we did that since uh, God, 2013 and the first time we had 30 points in all four quarters since 1996. Like, it was just enjoyable across the board. I mean, Kyrie was absurd. He, again, only needed, I think it was 25 minutes to put up 34 or whatever it was. Um, the offense, oh God, it's been good since All-Star break. I actually looked this up because I had a feeling it might be in this vicinity, but I didn't know. We've got the highest offensive rating since uh, All-Star, All-Star break. Small sample size, dude. Small sample size. Beware. I'll take it. It is a small sample size, but I'm but I'm I'm saying I'm saying it is noticeably noticeably better. And I think um I think it was absolutely on display against the Hornets. They were so enjoyable to watch. Yeah, man. Um, in the words of uh, famous New Zealander Neil Finn, uh, (laughs) (laughs) the Hornets were just trying to catch the deluge in a paper cup, man. They just had no. Thank you. Thank you. Ten out of ten reference thing. No, it was it was awesome. Um, I think, um, I mean, one thirty four is an aberration, but we look great with Marcus Smart back. I think, um, mm. I think 
I think he I think he's a great offensive player. You know, even though last week I just went on about how I didn't trust him, which is still true. I just think he's a great <laughs> offensive player and um and I think he makes really good decisions aside from doing those pull up threes and it just you know, the bench scoring has flowed. When Corey's making his shots, the starters are gonna be taken care of and yeah, it was awesome. Feels to me like this shooting is the aberration of of his offensive game. It's like he has his reputation being a bad offensive player because he can't shoot. And that's justified certainly at times with shot selection, but the ball movement and just the effort on deep on offense rather when he's on the floor, it, it's night and day, but since, since he's been back. So it's so stoked to see that. Yeah. And he, he finished uh, a tied bench high with Greg Monroe, who we'll get to plus 13 with 10 points, two for two from three and four for five from the field. So, I know what you're talking about uh, with regards to his shooting aberrations. Like, he'll have other nights where he just won't meet those percentages at all. But he was uh, one miss shy of being completely perfect from the field uh, in just an all-around dominant uh, performance by Smart and the, and the Celtics. So, I don't know. I wish that he could put it on like that every single night. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as long as he can continue to do that in you know, critical matchups for us and, and just affect winning in whatever way he can. In this particular night, for whatever reason, it was shooting an unusually high percentage from the field. But, you know, whatever he has to do to uh, to keep us in the winning column, uh, I'm happy with that. And a uh, big fan of Marcus Smart, for sure. Did you guys see, Indeed. it was, this was quite early on in the season, I think it was Matt Moore from CBS. Did you see that article he wrote about how, um, basically his theory about, the basic theory was Marcus Smart is a good offensive player basically precisely because he takes shots. And and because he takes them without hesitating, the defense has to account for him. Even if only two out of seven are going in, which is sadly often the case, right? The the, the defense is still stretching out, right? So he's still he's yeah. still he's still making the defense play him and that keeps it moving. It keeps the offense in rhythm. And I'm I'm kind of convinced by it, but anyway, I could talk about Marcus Smart forever. So um, so I'll I'll turn it back to you, host Ben. <laughs> well, I just want to get to Greg Monroe, uh, who had been well. There's no nice way of putting this, but he'd been fairly disappointing up until now, up until this game at least, since we uh, signed him. That's off a the very waivers. nice way of putting it, Ben. <laughs> yeah, mm. I could probably be a little bit more brutal about that, but in this particular game, 14 points. Uh, two assists, four rebounds, and that tied uh, bench plus minus with Smart uh, plus 13. And he shot six of nine from the field. And this is really the first taste of the uh, of the moose uh, that we were sort of all hoping for. Moose is loose. The moose <laughs> is loose. <laughs> Finally, it's so it's so good to see. I'm so happy to see him actually performing well off the bench. Yeah, there, there was the point, I think, in the second quarter. I think the ball went to him in the post like four or five straight times. Yeah. And every time it did, the crowd was cheering louder and louder because he was just, he was automatic. I think he was bullying, what's his face? Herman Gomez, however you pronounce it. It just got the ball into him. He would either just went, go straight over the top of him or he'd draw a foul, he'd draw an and one. He would just spin around, go underneath. It was just, he was unplayable for about two or three minutes there. And it was remarkable to see because, yeah, obviously he was in a big need of... Uh, of a of a performance there, particularly on the offensive end, um, and he just delivered in spades against Charlotte. It was great to see. Yeah, it's, it's, I was kind of reminded of you know our discussion last week. We were we were kind of a little bit concerned about his about his about his numbers and how the team's performing with him on off. <laughs> I mean, we'll get to the Houston game later. I don't know what, what was his plus minus for Charlotte the Charlotte game, but <laughs> I think I think his numbers might have recovered a little bit now. Yeah, he was a plus thirteen uh, Monroe. That is for. 
the Celtics against Charlotte. And that was uh, really his first sort of positive, I think, in the plus minus right. column. And a lot of other columns, to be honest, um, <laughs> since we signed him. So it was good to see. I, I want to I shout out um, a Kiwi-Aussie hybrid. Uh, all of Australia, we'll call him though, Aaron Baines. <laughs> Uh, finished with the double-double and just took it to Dwight Howard and whatever other bigs uh, Charlotte could throw at him. Finished 6 of 7 from the field, 12 points, uh, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 blocks, only 1 turnover, and a plus 21 overall. So, I don't know, uh, probably a little spotty from Aaron Baines, sort of since uh, he had a sort of a strong start to the season, I guess, but it had sort of dropped off a little bit. And, you know, he was always known for his defensive presence in our starting fire. But would then, and it still does a little bit, I guess, he gets subbed off early in the game and sort of brought on for, for certain moments. Um, but it was good to see him just have an all well-rounded game and actually assert himself against a fairly, you know, oldish but dominant big in, uh, in Dwight Howard. Do we feel like that might be down to, because of... Munro's been brought into the team and, and Daniel Tice's performances as of late before the injury have been fantastic. Do you feel like there's probably a little bit more of a friendly competition amongst the bigs and that might be fueling Baines' performance somewhat? I, I think so. I do think so. And, and, and I think um, he played extremely well in Charlotte as a result. And I also thought a couple of times against Houston, he forced the issue. Once again, be disciplined. Let's not talk about Houston for now. But, but yeah, I do agree. And I, I feel for him because I don't think he did anything to play himself out of his, his starter role. It's just now he's got, you know, there's only so many minutes to go around, when, especially when the Celtics close out small. Um, so, um, yeah. So I do feel sorry for him losing his minutes, and I do agree, yeah. I think the, the competition is certainly affecting his, his level of play for better and for worse. Yeah, totally. Now, look, we're uh, a few minutes into talking about this game, and we haven't mentioned Kyrie Irving, who finished with... Uh, a plus 18 and no less than 34 points, five assists and uh, four four rebounds, four for six from three-point uh, territory and 13 from 18 overall from the field. The dude was, you know, he played 25 minutes and it's just amazing to watch. Like, he was completely on fire. Uh, I, watching the game, um, for whatever reason, this is the way my weird mind works, I was thinking of that Emperor... Palpatine line from Return of the Jedi where he's like Now witness the firepower of this fully armed and operational battle station. <laughs> and I just felt like <laughs> like our team was just firing on all cylinders and we were just killing it and like at the at the top at the precipice of all of this uh, along with the other terrific performances we saw was just Kyrie Irving Uncle Drew just absolutely bowling out. It was just so You say Kyrie a- Irving is a Sith. Uh, yeah, he, he might be a Sith. He's, he's definitely uh, one of the, if you had to categorize him as a personality type, he's in there with the, the weird bunch. Um, but whatever he needs to be to continue to be who he has been for us, uh, that, that's fine by me. He can be evil. He can be on the dark side, the light side, as long as he's on the winning Man, side. As long as he's got the force, baby. <laughs> that's right. And he's force for the Celtics. He's got Thank the freaking you. force. That's for, for sure. Um, any other comments on the Charlotte game before we move on to uh, to something on the uh, on the dark side, if you will? Ooh. Nah, man, I'm heading. To, I'm gonna head to the dark side. You should it. you should you should have ran with that segue, man. That was, yeah, that was there. Well, let, let's do it. We're gonna run with it. We're gonna move to the dark side. We're the gonna Empire talk about... Strikes Back. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
Fuck James Harden. Sorry, but <laughs> yeah, no, pretty much. We we've been a, a relatively profanity-free podcast up until this point, but fuck James Harden. Um, some guys need, some guys deserve it. Some uh, guys deserve it. I'm Sorry. gonna throw in a fuck the Raptors just cause. But anyway, let's let's talk about the Rockets game. Uh, a 123 to 120 loss to the Rockets uh, just yesterday. And while I suppose it was a, a relatively promising win in that the Rockets are a difficult team they're the best team in the league at the moment and we were blow for blow with them um you know ultimately it was disappointing given how well we were playing to to come up with the loss Joe uh, what are your thoughts mate well I'll give you one thought just to start off with just to you know spin it out there I enjoyed the game I, I kind of joked with you earlier about my heart being broken and it might have healed by Monday night but I actually completely enjoyed <laughs> the game yeah like, what was your emotional response to the game, Jackson? Sickening. Okay. okay probably, prob- probably, probably added to the fact I actually uh, I didn't see the game. I was stuck at a call center, which is where I uh, do my work on uh, most weekends. And so I was, uh, had more or less just a box score to go off. And it was just, as you can see, it was just tit for tat, tit for tat the whole way through. I've since obviously gone home and watched the highlights. But, um, man, it had a lot of similarities to the Golden State game, I thought. Uh, one of which was I was also at work and didn't get to see that. So it felt like deja, <laughs> felt like deja vu again. But, I mean, matching it with, you know, one of the best teams in the NBA this time, obviously. Last time we played them, they didn't have Chris Paul. This time they did. Um, I thought, like, maybe if we were going to that game was going to get away from us, it would be because of the backcourt was working really well in tandem. Yeah. It ended up being um, Eric Gordon, who was oh, killed us. being the chief instigator against us, particularly in the second half. We did have uh, Marcus Morris with a, a ridiculous performance off the bench there to kind of level that out, but it was just a little bit too much in the end for us to take down. One thing I absolutely learned from that game is that uh, we probably have the worst shot misser in the league in Kyrie Irving. <laughs> Something else you could say about our Sith Lord <laughs> trying to miss a free throw at the end and then the bastard goes in. It's just like... I think that's doesn't happen he, much. I think that's where he needed the, the light side behind him, you know? He just needed the power of, of good to, to help him to miss that shot. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he talked about it in a post-game interview where um, that's just like the one thing he sucks at which if you think about it for your all-star starting point guard, if you're going to choose them to suck at one thing, missing shots is probably at the top of that list. Um, but he, he's called it out that he, he's terrible at missing shots in those sort of late game, need to miss free throw situations. So Hashtag humble break. <laughs> I was going to say just quickly, another similarity that Warriors game it actually did come down to a free throw at the end. That one, he missed the rim completely. So he's not flawless when it comes to missing free throws. <laughs> but um, yeah, just another similarity. Top West team, free throws at the end, doesn't quite work out. It's a shame, but it was, yeah, from, from a standpoint of matching it with one of the best teams in the NBA, yeah, we did it again, and I was, I was proud, disappointed, but proud. Yeah, like, the, the, the Rockets' offense is just crazy, and it was good to see that we could stick with them. Like, I sort of imagined it to either be a, a really high-scoring game where they outscored us and got into the 120s, 130s, and, and we sort of trailed by a lot or it was a really uh, well-played defensive game on our part and we kept them into the 80s and 90s. So to get up there in the 120s with them, albeit you know with a loss, was, was pretty promising from our offensive standpoint. And we'll get to some of our offensive improvements later on in the show. Um, but their offense, it's usually an ISO with uh, James Harden or Chris Paul up the top and they, they get some sort of penetration, whether it be off a screen or an ISO play. Uh, and then when the defense inevitably collapses, they, they kick it out to an open man. Now, one guy that we were sagging off all night was PJ Tucker, which I um, was totally happy about. Historically, he's not been a, a very good three-point shooter, 
but he hit that uh, when we doubled yeah. off him a couple of times towards the end of the game. He hit a crucial three. You know, it was a three-point deficit uh, at the end of the game, 123 to 120. And, you know, as he was taking that shot, I'm thinking, that's fine. I can live with that. You know, we're giving him that shot for a reason. He could have just as easily missed it, and who knows what would have happened. Yeah, so obviously the game really hung in the balance when Kyrie went up for that lap that would have put us up eight. And yeah. and Kyrie, Kyrie was out there guarding. He was on Tucker, you know, because Rozier and Smart had Harden and Paul. And if that thing goes in, the Rockets are taking the ball out of the net. Tucker's not wide open in the corner because Kyrie's had time to get back in transition, but he missed, so they're off to the races. And um, and that felt like that really felt like ball game to me. I, I Kyrie, I mean, he was incredible against Charlotte. I I I thought he had about three really poor defensive possessions. Um, yeah. Against the Rockets, which is a little disappointing. And and um, yeah. And in such a close game, where we had control over it. We were so close. That was a bit disappointing. But defensively, I thought some really cool things happened. You talked about the, um, the 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 way the Rockets went to attack and that that you know take a high screen, high screen and roll basically. I thought we did an awesome job of of preventing Monroe from getting switched on to uh, yes. to their guards. Monroe was able to hang back a lot of times. Rosier, I noticed. Um, I mean, I took a little note in, in the in the first quarter, but Rosier was doing a great job fighting through those screens, getting back onto Paul and giving him a chance to giving Monroe at least a chance to ice. You know, um, yeah. I don't know what else you saw there, Jackson. Yeah, no. I mean, obviously, I'm only going off highlights, so I don't have a much of, of an <laughs> of insight course, in, in, into how the game went. But um, again, encouraging to see because of the performance and everything like that, matching it with a big team. But that those. Those game, when the game gets away from you in those kind of circumstances, it does sting a little bit more because, I mean, had we beaten the Rockets in Houston and after what we did to them at the TD earlier, earlier in the season, like, <laughs> uh, I, I just don't see how people could say, put that, oh, it's just an aberration, you know, the Celtics, they'll revert to type, that was a rough game. No, the, the record of the Houston has with James, uh, James Harden and Chris Paul in the, back, in the backcourt, I think with Capella as well, is absurdly good, and we were like really not that far off. Now or something, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, if we had done that, it would have been huge for us. But I mean, you got to just take the positives out of it. Great performance, but you know, we really do have to watch those those turnovers. We match up well with both of the top two teams in the West. Like, I don't mm. think we'd beat them in the finals, but I'd give us a shot to get six game to go to six. You know, um, I think we match up better with them than we do with uh, with Toronto, actually. Um, yeah. which uh, may be an opportunity for you to segue there, Ben. <laughs> yeah, well, just before we get to that, a, a couple of notes from that game. So <laughs> there was a rare uh, Brad Stevens technical foul. The True. game was tied later mm-hmm. in the third uh, when the Celtics got a delay of game warning before Stevens received his technical foul. Uh, and Harden made the free throw on a technical, and then uh, Nene added a basket soon after to put... Houston up, I think, uh, by three points, 84 to 81. So that was a sort of a crucial turnaround. And, and you don't usually see, you know, Brad Stevens, of all people, like sort of uh, contributing to like what ended up being a critical turnover and like extra points for the opposing team. Normally, he's just like a god in terms of making all of the, the right decisions and, and calling all the right plays. That was interesting. Another critical moment was the Al Horford non-timeout. So I don't know if this was oh. coming through on the on the box score for you Jackson but uh it was a head in your hands moment you know you mentioned missing some of the game or all of the game for being at work that was a moment where I missed a large portion of it just because of my head 
being in my hands with my eyes closed, <laughs> wiping some of the tears away. Not that far, but it was, it was a non-timeout call where Al Horford basically collected the ball on the floor. On the ground. Yeah, on the ground. And, you know, it was a big sort of dive for the ball. And Horford clearly had it. And there were multiple people, including Brad Stevens, yelling for a timeout, just like absolutely screaming for it. And they, they didn't obviously give us the call, which was massively frustrating. Jesus. Yeah, I'm not sure why Horford... Th- through the past then like he, he kind of just like I, I don't know why he just didn't hold on to it he wasn't actually um he, he wasn't actually under anyone pressuring him from what i can recall of the play i'd have to go back and look at the video but yeah, yeah that, well, was, that was that was gutting you think like at the worst case you could have held on to it and yeah. incurred a jump ball but um i don't know like i have never been and certainly will never be in under the pressures of a, uh, a late nba game situation where i have to make such a decision, but uh, yeah, you know, he... I mean, I, I, sorry, but I feel I feel like it's it, it can be a bit hacky to criticize officials at times. Obviously, like you said, very tough job to do everything like that. Pressure, you've got all these people in the stadium yelling at you. You've got these massive dudes that you're yelling as well. You've got to get <laughs> yeah. this wrong. But I mean, some of the instances what the NBA officials can call, not call, miss, deem a flagrant, deem a tech, deem that. Sometimes it is just bonkers. Like it yeah. seems to be like. Yeah almost no consistency to it at times. I don't know if it's one of these, we'll just do it in the regular season and then we'll tighten up or we'll do it a a consistent way in the playoffs or anything along those lines. But I mean, like the NBA is its own, you know, special entity in many ways. Officiating appears to be one of them because some of those calls, again, didn't see this one, can't comment for sure, but uh, there's enough evidence, I think, historically with officials and how games are called. It's Sometimes it's just a joke. The worst call, and I'm about to go on a rant here. The worst call, and you know what I'm talking about, talk about, Ben, was Jalen Brown's fourth foul. James oh, my Hart, God. Yes, like, sorry. Okay, I'm, oh, I I'm, saw I'm that, yes. Okay. Yeah, I did see Jaylen, that. Load of his shit. arms, he purposely extended his arms to demonstrate to the officials that he was not fouling him, right? Mm. He exaggerated his movement, and the refs still managed to call a foul. Now, the only thing I can surmise is that they did not see what happened at all. So, in spite of the fact that James Harden is one of the most heavily officiated players in the NBA, right, they somehow did not have eyes on him, and when they saw, when they saw the two of them on the ground, they assumed that Jalen Brown must have been the perpetrator. That was awful. That, that's incompetent. It's incompetent. And the, the, the 50-50 calls, you can understand it. Like a block charge call, uh, it's happening at, at speed. That was not happening at speed. That, that it was not happening at speed and they got the call completely wrong. End rant. That was a, a superstar call that Harden received there. You know, we've seen LeBron get those calls. We've seen Durant and Curry and, and players of that sort of very top upper echelon uh, receive. But that was just a situation where, you know, he's in line for the MVP this season. And if in doubt, that you know, the refs, unfortunately, for whatever reason, are probably going to call it in his favor. And I, I couldn't help but think about, you know, in the last game that we played against the Rockets in Boston, there were some calls that went very, very much against James Harden in a <laughs> yeah. late game situation, yeah. Um, yeah. which are highlights. It was also that a I ball that came off the shot clock and went in, and they counted it an and one too. So as far as I'm concerned, that was just them <laughs> you tell leveling it, it out. You tell yeah. I remember, I remember that happening, and I just again one of those moments. You're just like, <laughs> are you out of your fucking mind? Like it just, just. Ugh. And if we want to take it back a little bit further. Every Bradley's foot was not on the three-point line. Not on the three-point three shot. Not on the line. So, a bit of a history there with the Rockets. And, of course, there was 
Al Horford's um, botched layup in the dying seconds of the game before then. So painful, painful opponent there, the Rockets. And, you know, one for one, uh, or one and one rather, against the Rockets uh, for this season. So uh, as history has shown us, it could be a lot worse. I'm happy to at least take one game from them and then maybe inflict as much pain on them as they've inflicted on us. I want to end on a a couple of positive points uh, from that game. Uh, three positive points via three uh, names. So Marcus Morris. We have to talk about Marcus Morris really quickly. 21 points, four boards, and three steals, shooting five for seven from three, including one brutally just nasty three right in James Harden's <laughs> face, which I loved. And as soon as he made that shot, I was like, we are winning this game. Because, you know, Morris off the bench, not always, you know, the height of consistency. And you sort, of, you sort of like to think that when he's shooting at that rate, when he's playing at that rate, that we're going to come away with a win. Um, but, you know, it wasn't the case. Uh, Greg Monroe, 18 points, 6 rebounds, 2 blocks, 6 for 9 from the field, perfect from the free throw line with a game high plus 23. You guys, uh, any thoughts about Greg Monroe from this game? I just thought it was, uh, like we talked about in the Charlotte game, it was just so satisfying to see the way that he played. Obviously not seeing the game, but I mean, I will comment on Marcus Morris. I mean, there are times when he he just his some of his shot selection is is baffling in in the the same realm as Marcus Smart. He'll sometimes he'll just get the ball and he'll just like he'll be ISO and he'll do a few fakes and dribbles and you just know there's a fadeaway coming. Sometimes it goes in, sometimes it doesn't, but it's so telegraphed and can be frustrating. But I've noticed this. If the, they find him in the corner or they find him open, whether it's a mid ranger or a three, I feel good. It's mine. I, I think I think he's he, when he is found in the, correctly and his the shot is on, he's an excellent option to have there, and he's a definite threat. And this was one of these games where had we come away with a win, I think the praise for him would be many magnitudes higher than as a kind of this subdued. Yeah, he was good, still a loss though. So now totally. get yeah. a shout out to Marcus to- Morris because totally, I thought man. that was good I, shooting. I, I... I would agree with that take. Um, for me, Marcus Morris frustrates me when he catches the ball when the defense is in rotation and he holds it. I'm fine if he catches it and lets it fly. You know, like if he catches it and lets it fly, I'm with you. I'm really comfortable with him taking those shots. He's, he's a good shooter um, or at least a league average shooter. You know, like we, we definitely want him to take those shots. But yeah, when he catches it, pump fakes, jab steps, goes into his little Carmelo light routine, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm like, oh, do we have to do this again? But yeah, <laughs> he did great against Houston. Yeah, I've always thought that he takes Paul Pierce shots, except he's not Paul Pierce <laughs> and nowhere near Paul Pierce's level, but he always takes those sort of contested mid-range shots. So, Mook, they don't love you don't like know. that, Mook. They don't love you like yeah. that. <laughs> it must be nice to be him and be in his head and be like, yeah, like I, I am that guy and I can take these shots and uh, no one's stopping me, so I'm doing it. <laughs> uh, final point uh, on the positive side of things, Terry Rozier. So the last time he scored uh, in single digits was actually way back on January 29th, and that's courtesy of the Celtics blog. Uh, so he's just been absolutely killing it off the bench for us. Um, so that's very timely heading into the playoffs in this particular game against the Rockets. 17 points at 7 from 10 from the field and perfect 3 for 3 from deep. Four boards and an assist finishing plus 9. I'm just super impressed with Terry Rozier. Like, in the past month or so, he has just found another level. And that's exactly what we need to elevate us to that uh, contender level uh, in the teams that we're sort of coming up against and will be coming up against in the playoffs. We need our bench to, to get up there with the likes of the Raptors and 
hopefully, if we make the finals, the Rockets or the Warriors. So to see a guy like Rogier elevating his game along with guys like Tice, Monroe, uh, Smart, Morris, etc., like that's just really, really good to see. Yeah, shout out to Ter- Scary Terry, man. He's a baller. Like, I, just quickly on Terry Rogier, I remember I think that year we took him 12th and then we took RJ Hunter. And before that, we had James Young. All these guys, we, we thought, we thought like, one, like one of those guys would have come out. But I would not have had mm. Terry Rozier as mm. the one to still be here and taking his game to the higher level. I thought, I thought RJ Hunter had a good shot at him. He could have been something. James Young, everyone wanted him to succeed. It was kind of like he was just the guy that everyone wanted to become this thing. Never happened. Terry has just quietly, consistently just improved, 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 improved over the years to the point now where he's like a really, really solid backup to Kyrie if we need the offense. And yeah, I'm, I'm just so happy with him. Yeah, he's extremely valuable to us. You know, like you, you, you can just pencil him in. You pencil him, he's going to get like 10, 2, and 4, it seems, you know. And, 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 and the rebounding he brings is sorely needed because, man, we have quite a few stretches where those loose balls just seem to just drift away from us and get into the opposition hands. Eh? But, um, yeah, super impressed with his consistency, I think. He's electric, you know. He's like... He's he's our second best off the dribble threat, you know. He can shoot it. He can well. People, he's been finishing at the rim great. He does that like uh, one legged kind of. It's like a runner. He'll bank a runner off the glass. Yeah. He had one of them against Houston. That's sort of um. That's a real nice shot for him to go to uh, if he can't get all the way to the rim. Um. Yeah. But, the automatic end of quarter three point shot yeah, too yeah. is just <laughs> his lockdown. Yeah. 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 He just comes off the bench and um, turns it up to eleven and off he goes. It's it's a great little spark plug to have. Moving on, uh, we're going to kick it over to our relatively new segment known as Opponent Watch, where we look at our closest rivals around the league and see how they're going and, and see if there's any chance of us uh, usurping them in the near future. Jackson, what do you think about our closest rivals? Well, the Raptors, I mean, they've been 3-0 since we last speak, beating uh, Magic, Wizards, and Hornets. Uh, they're just the model of consistency at the moment. You know, they're getting good production out of Lowry and uh, DeRozan. Um, the bench, I think, is everyone's favorite part of the Raptors, it seems to be, from the neutrals perspective. I mean, they just they get a lot of solid and reliable performances out of them. Look, they're just in good form at the moment, they're, and they're probably going to... I can see them continuing this until the end of the season. Obviously, the big question mark is, can they do it in the postseason? But um, look, obviously, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility. We do have to... We've we, we got to play them twice, I think, before the season's out, one yeah. in Boston and one away. So, I mean, two victories there, and then that... that the current deficit is wiped out but i mean for the most part they're, they're looking pretty good and um yeah I'm, I'm starting to doubt whether we can get that one seed uh sadly have you guys been keeping an eye on the raptors much yeah i've i saw i saw a bit of the bucks game and i saw most of the wizards game um and the bucks game which they lost it's sort of like you could see it seemed like i saw the end of the fourth quarter and it was like milwaukee was just tightening up and it's just you know how when you you're watching the best teams in the league. You're just kind of waiting. You're just kind of waiting for it, for the other team to crack. And the yeah. Raptors, to me, have that vibe right now. Like when you're watching them play, like a team that's just slightly above, like slightly below them, um, or or a long way below them, you kind of expect the other team's just going to crack. Now Milwaukee eventually got back and won that game, but watching it against Washington, like it just seemed like something's going to happen. The Raptors are just going to. They're going to keep pounding the rock, and it's going to crack open. And and sure enough, CJ Miles gets loose. Bang, bang. They're up six. They're up eight. It's over, you know. Yeah. Um, they're a scary team. That was really disappointing. And they, they've got the Hawks and the Pistons next. So you've got to imagine they're going to win those two games. 
Uh, but then they've got the Rockets coming up afterwards, which hopefully, just for the, the sake of making a comparison, mm-hmm. you know, our performance against the Rockets versus the Raptors' performance against the Rockets, hopefully they uh, lose uh, in, a, in a much worse fashion than we did. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, they'll have a two-pronged effect of, obviously, us being able to claim that we're better than them, even though they'll still have a better record. Um, but also, they'll drop a game while we hopefully continue to win. We've got some easier matchups uh, in the next few games or so. And hopefully, that'll help us claw back. Um, I, was, I took my lunch break today uh, as the, I think it was the Raptors and the Hornets. The score was 91 Raptors, 87 Charlotte Hornets. And I'm thinking, okay, this is great. I'm going uh, to heat up my food in the microwave. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to plug in the headphones in the break room. And I'm going to watch the, the Hornets claw back. This is that collapse that you were talking about earlier, Joe. Uh, I'm going to witness this in first person. And I'm going to message you guys immediately. I'm going you know, to comment on the post-game thread, talking shit on the Raptors. I'm going to do all those wonderful Celtics fan <laughs> things. Uh, and it just uh, didn't happen for me, unfortunately. And uh, you know, just like in that game against the Wizards, they, they did some Raptors things as they have been doing. They've been performing incredibly well, as much as I hate to say it. And uh, I was left disappointed. And my food um, just didn't taste as good as uh, it probably could have if we, the result had been different. Do you guys ever blame yourselves if things go wrong and you walked away from the TV? Or, yeah, all the time. Oh, it's, man. <laughs> I, 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 have, I, have, I go on a further... Um, uh, self-hating level i'll turn on the tv and i'll start to go down and depending on my mood i will either turn the tv off and just assume things will correct themselves or i'll keep watching and then i'll just blame myself for it afterwards but yeah now that's absolutely a real phenomenon that i believe is 100 percent in my control 100 percent of the time we no bear worries. a massive 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 responsibility as fans for the fortunes of our team yeah. yeah, and it's you got to w- send those vibes from the Pacific, man. <laughs> That's right. They yeah. get them. They get them in Boston. It's it's worth calling out as well that uh, up until recently we were undefeated in the uh, Celtics Reddit podcast era, and unfortunately, due to this very unfortunate loss uh, against the Rockets, uh, we can now we can no longer make that claim. Uh, but you know, hopefully, we can go on another winning streak and and still have a relatively good record in this podcast era. But that uh, that was fun. While it lasted, now yeah, Jackson, and, uh, and also I've been able to wash my underwear now, so so that's good. I needed a change. <laughs> we can still go. We can still go undefeated since saying fuck James Harden on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mark it down, uh, Jackson. Continuing on opponent watch, uh, we've got a couple more points there. A couple of close rivals to uh, to check in on the Cavs. They they keep losing. A bit more of a success story from our perspective, um, you know, compared with the Raptors situation. Yeah, I've got no idea what to make of the Cavs anymore because like everyone else in the NBA in, in basketball, I thought when those trades went down and when that, that just that awful, awful night at the Garden happened a couple of weeks back, I thought, all right, there it is. You know, they've got yeah. their team together. This is their first time playing. They're only going to get better, blah, 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 blah. And uh, now they seem to be reverting to more or less the same type of play that we were seeing uh, before the trade. I think as long as Kevin Love is out for them, they're not going to be anywhere near as strong. Unfortunately, I think he is scheduled to come back just in time for the playoffs. So if he can get back up to speed, they are going to still be a very, very real threat to us. As far as them taking the, the, the one or the two seed, I don't think that's happened. I don't think that's their priority right now. I think they're going to fancy themselves. LeBron is certainly going to fancy himself up against anyone in the East. And so he should, because historically he just he's made the East Conference his bitch, unfortunately, <laughs> since since the Celtics were last there. Um, so I'm not worried about them taking out uh, the seeds, but as, as far as their performances coming together for the playoffs, they could very well just be 
I wouldn't say they're playing possum at the moment and looking worse than they are and turning it on in the playoffs. I don't think it quite works like that. However, LeBron does have a knack of getting his teams to perform when it matters. So again, I'd like to avoid them for as long as possible. I mean, if we finish at the two seed and they finish at the three, once we get through the first round, then bang, we've got to play them in the E semis. So we were going to have to play them most likely sooner or later. I would like to get delay that as long as possible but um yeah look i mean not setting the world on fire at the moment but an absolutely absolutely real threat to us in the playoffs you guys you guys the Cavs are like they're like two and a half games out of seventh <laughs> like like they might yeah. meet us in the first round they no they literally are two and a half games out of seventh place like, like maybe we need to worry about meeting them in the first round i don't know yeah, it, it yeah. does. I don't expect to see them then, um, but it will be very interesting to see where they do wind up um, if they don't have home court and say they're playing, say Philly gets into the four seed and they're at the five seed. You know that'd be an interesting series. A Philly at home court, um, Philly handled, Philly Cleveland would be an amazing series. Man. Like they just handled them, eh? And uh, yeah, Ben Simmons like LeBron James, LeBron James, and yeah. had put up a LeBron stat line against, it was actually really awesome to see. And, you know, from the uh, Australian, we'll rope New Zealand in on there as well, basketball perspective, it was just cool to see someone from our little corner of the globe go up against the best and, and like, literally dominate. He just grew up in my hometown, by the way. Just wanted to shout out for Ben Simmons, though. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Until he was six, then he moved. Wow, Still counts. Which, uh, what was that? Was it Newcastle? <laughs> yeah, Newcastle. His dad, David, Dave Simmons, played for the Hunter Pirates, the, the late great Hunter Pirates, and the Falcons as well, two amazing establishments of Newcastle, New South Wales, Australia. Um, shout out to yes. Newcastle. And shout out to... Uh, shout out to Newcastle. The Newcastle Knights NRL team. Uh, good luck in the upcoming NRL season, but yeah. I digress. And the Jets smashed it on the weekend. Let's just get all the Newcastle teams <laughs> sure. in. Right? Great, great city of Newcastle. <laughs> Man, this, indeed, this indeed is indeed taking is. me back to my days of one-on-one uh, -on -one magazine and Jammin' magazine. Remember those? Oh man, yeah, that's a throwback. <laughs> <laughs> like Andrew Gaze on the cover. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> the grey hair creeping in. <laughs> who was that dude who, who was in the backcourt with him? So his name started with L. Leonard Copeland. Yeah, he was the man. Uh, that that exceeds the reach of my memory, unfortunately. Anyway, but, uh, anyway, sure anyway, they're a we, dynamic duo. We, we digress. But yeah, Ben Simmons just physically imposes himself on games like LeBron does, eh? And that's uh, that's quite an interesting, quite an interesting matchup. Here's a theory for you guys. Let's just say round one is Cleveland, Philly. Is that Philly auditioning for LeBron James or is that LeBron James auditioning for Philly? I guess he's not him. He doesn't have to audition for anyone, really. Like, but do you know what I mean? Like, like, is, like is, is, it, is it a preview of, of the future? Like when it's we almost played the paradox. Heat in 2012 and Ray Allen and, and the Heat had their little, had their little yeah. uh, flirtation. Tampering, no doubt. Tampering, 100%. Uh, I'm triggered right now. I, I need a, a moment of silence to myself. Yeah, I mean, that'll be interesting to see. Um, certainly at this point, uh, with LeBron's history, if the team that he is a part of is dropping off and seem to be fading into the, the recesses of the, of the lower parts of the, the conference standings, uh, he is prone to jumping ship and, and joining a, a team on the, on the rise. So... I don't know. Uh, it might be uh, better for an off-season podcast, off-season discussion, but it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens with LeBron. As far as the playoff matchups are concerned, certainly would like to avoid the Cavs uh, by all means. If somehow the Raptors and the Cavs can get into some sort of duel with one another, 
eliminate you know the the lesser of the two while the winning team tiring themselves out that would obviously be the best case scenario but uh that remains to be seen another rival that uh we want to talk about before we move on jackson is the lakers possibly the greatest rival uh of the celtics uh, it looked earlier in the season like we were going to be getting their draft pick now we're not so sure yeah, no, that does kind of look like it's gone. I mean, forbidding uh, just a fantastic uh, turn of luck when it comes to the lottery. You know, if if they can, if they might just fall back to the two, number two again. You know, even if the odds are like you know one percent, two percent, two for two. There you go. But um, no, look, I think sad as it is, I think that pick is probably not going to go to us this season. They're on five in a row now. They just that the game against the Spurs. I didn't see that obviously, but I mean. They came back to win that game. Lonzo Ball was was shooting the lights out. So it's like we're definitely in a another parallel timeline to what we were in three months ago now. So um, now look, the Lakers are looking solid. I think they've got. I think the Lakers are going to be are going to get back to prominence sooner or later. I just think not for at least a few years. I think we're further along definitely in our rebuild than what they are. They'll be around, but as long as as long as the Western Conference is stacked as it is, I think the best that they can hope for in the next couple of seasons would be like a, a, an eight, seven or six seed. Um, obviously Isaiah Thomas, we've all still love Isaiah. I mean, I can pretty confidently speak for most Celtics fans here. We definitely want to see him, you know, perform and, and, and I, I want him to get paid. You know, I've never cared about a non Celtics player getting a contract for their own financial stability, their yeah. own, you know, happiness or whatever. But I really hope Isaiah can, um, can be a success if not in LA, then somewhere else anyway. Quickly, boys, first round playoffs. Who do you want? For the Celtics, that is, obviously. I'm just looking at the standings now of the Eastern Conference, and it's, it's a tough decision because, it, I don't know, it's, it's funny how you, you grow a genuine fear for every team. Like, I'm looking down the list from four down to eight, the Pacers, the Wizards, the Sixers, the Bucks, and the Heat. And I think at this point, we, we've pretty much lost to all of those teams for one reason or another. And... If I had to pick the lesser of all the evils, I'm probably the Pacers, they're in fourth spot at the moment, but I just don't trust them to execute in the playoffs, and I believe that Brad Stevens can formulate a winning strategy against them in a best-of-seven series. So the Pacers are my pick. They're currently in fourth, but they're only a few losses away, uh, consecutive losses from dropping down into the, the seventh or eighth spot. So that's my pick. What do you guys think? Can we pick Detroit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're right there. Well, they're, they're, there. they're four games behind the Heat. They're, the Detroit are 29 and 34, and the Heat are 33 and 30. So they could conceivably, off the back of some sort of Blake Griffin uh, hero ball, make it into the eight seed there. So it's definitely possible. Yeah, I, I think um, of the of the likely ones, I think I'm with you on the Pacers or the Bucks. So to me, the Bucks, the Bucks, the teams that I feel like punish us. Are the teams that like just turn transition or turnovers into threes, and um, and and I, I guess the Bucks' lack of shooting kind of comforts me. Um, I feel like I feel like if we do give up second chance points, you know, if we do give up if we do give up extra possessions, I don't think we're going to get hurt as much by the Bucks as we might by the other teams. Um, so I'd go I'd go Pacers then Bucks. I'd say. Yeah, I, I um I went to say almost say the Bucks before and then as they're on the tip of my tongue, there's a little voice on my head that goes, Giannis and I just hear that and then like back away from, from saying them in fear because I don't know, like he's definitely trending upwards to that MVP 
caliber and who knows what he's capable of in this year's playoffs versus last year's playoffs. Like maybe he's saving the best till last, so to speak. And I just am scared of that guy in general and especially in the playoffs. Yeah. But everyone's, everyone, you're right though. Everyone has something that has to be respected. Um, the paces are giving us trouble. The heat, I really don't want to see. Um, but that's the playoffs, man. That the good teams it should be like this. That we should be worried that every team could beat us. You know. Yeah, true that, Jackson. Who you got? Um, this might be considered risky, and maybe not a lot of people would want to see this. But uh, I bring on Philly. You know, I think as good as they can be, as good as their potential is, and as solid as and sometimes fantastic as Simmons, Embiid, um, not to mention the other guys, Covington, Reddick, and whatnot. Um, I, I just think. They haven't been to the playoffs for so long, and they're completely inexperienced in that realm. And it's a different beast. It is a different beast in the playoffs. So I think it would be hard fought. I think it would be intense, but I would ultimately fancy us getting over the line in, you know, five, six games. Maybe I think if we had to go to seven games, because that wouldn't be ideal. I think it would be entertaining as hell, but that would be something I would like to see. I would like to see us take on Philly. I'd be confident to take on Philadelphia at that stage. Another element to that would be, I think, obviously not being an NFL massive supporter, but um, I think the city of Boston would like to extract some sort of revenge on the Phil- uh, the city of Philadelphia <laughs> after the Super Bowl. So I think that yes. might just give a little bit extra incentive there. But um, no, nah, I'll go the uh, I'll go the risky option, and I'll say uh, I'll say Philly. Yeah, can I change yeah, my a... call? Yeah, yeah. yeah I want go, I want Philly, and for slightly different reasons. I'm a basketball fan. I want to see us play Philly. I think that will be so much fun. And, you know, it's, it's um, you know, as a basketball fan, I, you know, there's joy in, in playing a team that would be a, represent a really interesting contrast in styles. So, yeah, I, I think I want Philly. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, but a bit of history there, I guess, between yeah. the Celtics and the Sixers uh, playoff-wise. And, uh, yeah, and a, definitely a, a revenge take. That's a spicy uh, Super Bowl revenge take, Jackson. Uh, I hadn't thought of that. That's an interesting one. Now, uh, Gordon Hayward. Hayward Update is listed here as a segment on our podcast. And uh, I think even though it's been pretty much declared fully now uh, verbally by Danny Ainge and by Brad Stevens, and I quote very specifically, Gordon Hayward will definitely not play this season. We're going to keep running this on the podcast because we at the Celtics Reddit podcast never give up hope that the... uh, Wonderful, uh, beautifully, and well-groomed Gordon Haywood uh, won't return uh, to our team. But uh, I, I got to say, guys, it's uh, it's not looking good. Have you, what are your thoughts on the uh, the current uh, or lack thereof Haywood situation? Keep the faith, Ben. Keep the faith. Yeah, that's I right. I don't want you. I don't want you lagging, man. You got to keep the faith. And I want to give a <laughs> shout out to uh, to my main man, me main man, Sarita who uh, who pointed out that Brad Stevens had referred to him doing an Alter-G workout and he was up to 60% of his weight on the Alter-G. And this was yesterday being, uh, being I guess, the 2nd of March. No, well, early March, early March states time. But on a blog post on January the 29th, Hayward said, I started at like 30% of my body weight. Now we're up to 70%, 75%. So in January, end of January, it was up to 75%. And now Brad Stevens is trying to convince us that he is back down to 60%. Brad, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it, Brad. He's going to be back. Yeah, Brad Stevens, why are you going to be such a hater and like sort of crap all over our, our hopes and dreams? Like, I understand 
you know, not putting pressure on Gordon Hayward and, and maybe being, you know, let's let's call it uh, like it is, slightly realistic. But there are a lot of people out there, myself in particular included, whose uh, lives, the day-to-day happiness depends on, on hanging, or hinges on the hope of, of Gordon Hayward coming back at some point during the season or the postseason. But, you know, at the same time, I understand that he has to be uh, somewhat realistic and, and and keep that pressure off Gordon Hayward and, and feed us what is hopefully misinformation. I can see it potentially. The only way that he comes back is that it is if it is the 323 meme, if it, we speak it into existence and it comes down, I can just see he gets unveiled in some sort of like massive float with like cannons shooting at green confetti. There's that dropkick Murphy's song that but do 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 bam bam and he comes out there riding a, a, a giant leprechaun or something and he like comes down and like plants both feet on the ground hard and oh, swishes man. a swishes yeah. a behind the head basket without looking. But um keep that dream alive. It's eighteen days away. Eighteen days away three twenty three. After that, hey, after that back. I'm giving up. That's a long way uh, from the sort of the more pessimistic take you took last week, Jackson. So I'm glad to see you're on board. Hey, I flip flop. Probably right now, uh, Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving are in a tattoo parlor, getting 323 among some sort of like third eye icon (laughs) sort of tattoo. It's like one of those tattoos where they have to put their forearms together, and it's like one half of the eye and the other half of the. Yeah, it's like it's like Voltron. now, we, we, we won't hang around on the Hayward update kind of things because it's pretty easy to, uh, to, to plummet into just total pessimism and despair. So moving on, uh, one thing we like to talk about on the Celtics Reddit podcast is uh, Celtics Reddit, the, the top posts uh, from the past week. It's been about seven days uh, since you've heard from us. And no surprise, really, Celtics Reddit, the past week, the most upvoted post is simply titled, Jalen Brown is the best. Fishing for upvotes, user Patriots96, uh, potentially. It's certainly an easy way to get upvotes in this subreddit by mentioning Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. Uh, But it it was an interesting post and worth mentioning that Jalen Brown is shooting 90% from the free throw line since the All-Star break. So user Patriots96 says, I was listening to the game on the radio last night and Sean Grande said something along the lines of, the more exposure Jalen Brown gets is great for the NBA. Jalen will have a soapbox to talk about what he finds interesting. Jalen really seems like a future face of the NBA and a positive role model. I did not know how well-spoken and intelligent he was until he spoke on MLK Day uh, in the Garden last year. The day we choose to be silent about the things that matter is the day our life ends, he quoted. Uh, It is great to cheer on our future star and more importantly, watch him develop into a great leader for the future. Now, I'm, I'm fairly certain what I'm going to hear from you guys, and it's going to be along the lines of the takes on Celtics Reddit, but how are you guys feeling about Chandler Brown, and how are you guys feeling about this post? Yeah, I'm nodding very furiously. I mean, <laughs> yeah. You can't say that on the podcast, but no, I agree with all the sentiments there. So I think the one, my favorite thing about Jalen Brown is I think I was on one of the scouting reports when he was drafted. I think one of the scouts ended up writing too, maybe perhaps too smart for his own good. Now, that might sound a little bit, you know, I don't know how that sounds, you know, obviously you could be, if he should be doing something other than basketball or whatnot, but um, look, to have, like, when you've got an athlete who is, you know, who is the player that he is and the potential that he's got and, like, the rapport that he's got with the fans, as much as that I, I, I love the, the man, like, he's just outstanding. The fact that he is a well-spoken, articulate, intelligent, thoughtful, and just keep throwing the, the compliments on top of him there. <laughs> I mean, he just, he, he is. He's a fantastic role model, and I'm just, I'm very proud to have him on the team. 
So um, there's a guy from around here who plays um, like some D2 college ball in the States and he comes back in the summers and um, and he said um, he was working out, we were working out with him. I was coaching a high school team and, and we'll, he came out and worked out with us and was, I was just talking with him about guys he'd played against one day. And one, one thing he said is he said, man, Jalen Brown, this is just when Jalen Brown had been drafted, he said, man, Jalen Brown is good. And he said, and he said, and most of those dudes who are really good are not good guys. And he said, Jalen Brown is a good dude. So there you go. First hand, well, second hand, second hand, Jalen Brown is a good cat. And, um, and I'm pleased to see him doing well. And I'm pleased to see him staying aggressive. Stay aggressive, Jalen Brown. Keep doing your thing. There you go. Uh, the sources are coming direct sources. to the Celtics Reddit <laughs> podcast. Some fresh, spicy, and original takes there. That's uh, good to see. And I don't know if you guys caught Jalen Brown's uh, talk from Harvard University. Harvard. The other day, it was streamed live on YouTube. And it was interesting. He was being thrown some fairly uh, heady questions by young uni students, to be fair. But these are, you know, Harvard students. And they weren't being shy and throwing. There were some sort of silly sports takes, but also some fairly intellectual, you know, things being thrown his way. And he really held his own there, which I was, I was um, proud to see. I, I was kind of watching with, through gritted teeth, wondering how long it would take for him to maybe crack and, and not be able to answer in kind. But he, he really did hold his own. And that was, that was cool to see. Yeah, I, I looked at the video and looked at the timeline. I was like, dang, there's like an hour 50 of this. I don't know if, uh, if it was 30 or 20 minutes, I would have sat through the whole thing. But um, but I didn't quite have the hour 50 to invest. But that's because I don't have a beautiful mind like Jalen Brown has, nor the stamina <laughs> to keep pace with the interrogation from these Harvard students. Totally. I couldn't agree more. Now, uh, one of the other more popular posts on the Celtics subreddit, by user 60 to 22, and I did some research there, and that is the record of the 1974 to 75 Celtics coached by one Tommy Heinsohn. Uh He uh, posted, Marcus Smart didn't like it when pundits said Boston's defense would take a step back after their summer changes. Quote, it was kind of a slap to my face, to me and my teammates. We took that personally. And now Smart fuels the number one defense in the NBA. So that was uh, posted to ESPN.com and posted to our Reddit by user 6022. Uh, now, Jackson, what are your thoughts on Marcus Smart's uh, comments there regarding the defense? It's the exact thing you want to hear from a guy like Marcus Smart who's like made his name as this you know, bulldog defender who will you know, fight for every loose ball. He's, he, he hustles, you know, he, and he makes you know, these winning plays that we're all you know, accustomed to, and we all can, can recognize there. For him to come out and say that, that like, you know, they were, he was listening to the people saying, oh, they're going to regress defensively, you know, oh, they got rid of Avery Bradley, they got rid of Jay Crowder, they got rid of Amir Johnson, you name it, whatever, you know, they're not going to be the same defensive, you know, they're not going to be as good as they were last year. And it's just, I, I didn't believe it at the time. I thought, no, I think we'd still have something in there. Didn't think we'd be this good. But I mean, I mean, it's not hard to see that the heart and soul of this defense really, in my opinion, is, is Marcus Smart. He's a savant. Like, there's been two occasions. That this is, I mean, this is obviously anecdotes. <laughs> but there's been two occasions. Uh, once Capella caught an amazing lob. Um, he caught an amazing lob and finished a kind of reverse layup off an alley-oop. I don't remember that. And then... Dwight Howard in the Charlotte game caught a, caught a lob and dunked it. And both of those occasions, Marcus Smart was contesting the lob. Like, he is so smart. 
No, oh, gee, that's terrible. That was actually unintentional. <laughs> but he is—he's a genius. He's a defensive genius. His his anticipation um, on the weak side. He's not just a great on-ball defender, but like he's a quarterback. He's like a Kevin Garnett. He's a Kevin Garnett in in you know in the guard spot. Like that, it is incredible to con- get it there with the um to be that far ahead of the plate. Actually, be able to contest those lobs, and he was right there. I think that just to me that just says that his mind is just working at a quicker rate. Than, um, than most guys do defensively. Yeah, totally. He's definitely the most Celtic Celtic on the team at the moment. Mm. On that thread, uh, on the sub, user Son of Atreus says, wow, this sub is bipolar. Remember when everyone on here hated him after that dumb shot in LA and then slicing his hand? Uh, now he is the guard version of David Robinson. <laughs> I'm happy people are back to supporting Smart, but I just hope everyone remembers the positives when he makes another mistake again. Um, that's a good take, son of Atreus. Uh, I've definitely been on the negative side of Marcus Smart before, even recently when it looked like we might be able to trade him for like some extra bench scoring. Uh, it was during a time where Smart hadn't played in a little while, and he had done those um, those dumb things uh, during and after the Lakers game, where uh, you know I was kind of all for it. But since he has been back, um, I'm 100% Smart fan. Um, wearing his jersey around town in Sydney like a dork um, <laughs> and people wondering who the hell is that. Um, but big fan of Marcus Smart and I really do hope that we hold on to him. Now, I, I want to move on because we are running out of time here. We've got a couple more posts to uh, to talk about. Kyrie Irving, since the All-Star break, uh, this was posted on our sub uh, earlier in the week, since the All-Star break, averaging 27 points per game, six rebounds and six assists on just under 75% true shooting with a 144 offensive rating uh, while only playing 28.3 minutes per game. So that uh, is a pretty incredible statistic and it was posted by the aptly named I fucking love B-Ball, a.k.a. Mr. Universe on the sub just three days ago. So he goes on to say he's just so good, couldn't agree more. I think the insane season he's having is going a little unnoticed because we don't play him big minutes on a per-possession basis, he's third in the league in scoring behind only Harden and Curry, which is incredible. And he's doing it on the best efficiency of his career. So I don't, I'm going to throw to you guys now for Curry Irving takes, but I think I know how you guys feel. Yeah, my only thing I would say on that is my favorite number out of all of those is the minutes. You know, he's probably the fact that he's, only, he's not playing the big minutes, you know, obviously that is going to come in handy in the playoffs. He's not going to be burnt out. He is going to be fresh. We haven't been overplaying him. Like some of the Timberwolves players, I think, like it's a bit of a tangent here, but like they have absurd minutes. Jimmy Butler, before he went down, was playing, you know, almost 40. I think Wiggins was playing something along yeah. those lines too. We do not have that, and I don't think we're going to be burned out. Fatigue shouldn't be a factor come the playoffs there, and that's something that I find obviously really exciting. Yeah, I, I was like, 28.3 minutes a game? For real? <laughs> like, I was thinking, you know, if he was playing on Tibbs' teams, he would be a bench player. <laughs> you know, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, um, I think that's also, you know, he plays 28.3 minutes a game when we're able to get blowouts. So, um, so that's, those, those two factors feed into each other. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on, a, a bit of subreddit news. So we all are very much aware of Timmy, the great uh, highlight god of the Celtics uh, Reddit but uh, unfortunately, his YouTube account does appear to have been banned or cancelled by Ooh. YouTube. Um, what that the fuck, sucks. YouTube? Like, the, this guy is the MVP of our, of our subreddit. Um, shout out uh, Fongos and uh, you know, other notable 
uh, Celtics Reddit users. But Timmy is the guy who, at the end of every game, cuts together the highlights. He's got some great uh, original content that he puts together as well, which is very well produced. Um, guys, what do you think's going on here with YouTube? It seems to be a, an ongoing trend where these highlight demigods are, are being thrown off of the platform entirely. So I've heard, I've heard, and I'd love for someone on the sub to correct me, but like I've heard that um, it might be part of YouTube TV's offering and maybe that um, League Pass will become part of what you can get with your YouTube TV subscription. Because apparently they're looking at like YouTube TV being like 35 bucks a month. So you'd be able to get some pretty cool stuff for 35 US a month, right? So that would, to me is the only thing that can make sense because um, it's been tolerated for so, so long and almost encouraged, right, having these, um, having these highlight factories um, putting their stuff out there. What have you heard, Jackson? Yeah, uh, look, I'm not familiar with like the copyright law or anything like that. Obviously, if, if, you, if you watch enough NBA, you will get that voice over the end. This, this program will not be written, retransmitted without the reset. <laughs> but um, look, yeah, I don't know what the laws are and exactly what it is for surrounding copyright and what you can put on YouTube and what you can't, whether, you know, there's so many of those accounts out there that put those highlights out. And then Timmy's, I've seen so much Celtics vision because of his edits and the, the, when they're uploaded to YouTube and the speed in which they're uploaded, you know, so it, it's, it's ridiculous too, because I mean, if, if they could tolerate it for so long and they're not doing it now, maybe it is part of the YouTube TV thing that you were mentioning, Joe, maybe they're just being assholes. I, I don't know, but I mean, I'm completely against it. I want to see him back editing there. And a big shout out to Timmy because he does a great work. Yep, couldn't agree more. And he's getting a lot of support from around the subreddit. There's a sort of a notable user from around the sub called uh, Janos or Janos. And there's a lot of speculation out here that Fongos and Janos are the same person. Now, I'm going to try and, and read this tweet out as accurately as possible. <laughs> Basically, he tweeted at YouTube. Uh, hey, oh, sorry. Hi, YouTube. Is Janos, this guy, Timmy093, very good perform on video. Show fans NBA, hashtag Celtics, best play Kyrie at Al Horford. Also, show other rat and bum team, lose many game. You are make a fix on Timmy093 videos, so we are all enjoy. Please reply me immediate, it's Yanos. Um, couldn't have said it better words. myself. Um, very uh, eloquently put, and uh, I couldn't agree with you more. It's important to the nearly 50,000 user um, Celtics Reddit user base that Timmy is allowed the freedom to do what he does because he does it so well. And, you know, when we have days at work where, you know, we're watching the box score and it's our only means of following a game, we like the comfort of coming home to a nice Timmy highlights reel, maybe heat up a pie, sit down, <laughs> watch a bit of Timmy. It's good fun, you know, and without that, uh, life is just not as good as it could be. So hopefully something can be done there. And, uh, you know, if, if nothing else, maybe someone from the NBA, someone from the Celtics or someone from YouTube can employ Timmy because he's obviously very talented and he's got a good eye for content. So yeah, uh, more to be seen there. It is really odd that like, I think House of Highlights is bought out by Bleacher Report. Why would they mm. buy him out if the YouTube if YouTube was going to suspend his account? Like something's something's cooking, eh? Something's cooking. Yeah. Hopefully totally. Timmy's yeah, let's I think we need a campaign to get Timmy a job. I think that's what we need. We need to turn this energy into some positivity. Timmy's Timmy's done a great job. Surely, surely somebody out there can uh, can use Timmy's skills. 
Definitely, and it's an ongoing uh, story around the sub, and he's he's definitely got the support of the users on the subreddit, and particularly of us uh, here at the Celtics Reddit podcast, so we're definitely going to check in on that, among other things, this time next week. Finally, moving on to a tweet by Brian Robb of Celtics Hub. Uh, he tweets, Al Horford took the blame for the C's struggles down the stretch tonight, referring to the Celtics-Rockets game yesterday. This is a tough one for me personally quoting Horford, I'm really going to look at this one and learn and be better from it. So interesting uh, words there and some ownership maybe from from Al Horford. Uh, he certainly hasn't been playing as well as of late and there are a couple of, um, I want to say bed shittings uh, uh, from him down the stretch where he really missed some shots that you know we know him to make and he had a couple of boneheaded plays which are not typical of Al Horford who's normally a very heady player. Yeah, my, my when I think of Al Horford end of game situations, I think of uh, the first Rockets game mm-hmm. where he hits that little hook, gives us the first lead, wins us the game. Yeah. Um, and I also think of the Portland buzzer beater as well too. Now I'm sure someone, if they really wanted to, they could dig me up a bunch of uh, highlights or plays where you know Horford was didn't do the thing that he was meant to do, where he missed the shot or he committed the turnover. I know he committed the tur- a turnover or two in the back end of this last game against the Rockets. And look, that's going to happen. Look, he comes out, he's holding himself accountable. He's really, when he says he's holding himself accountable, I think he's trying to hold the team accountable as well too. He's coming out saying, look, I need to do better. I need to do this as well. I think it goes without saying, they're saying the whole team needs to do better as well. You know, if, they're, if you're going to have a bad game, you know, you've got to come out, you've got to own it, you've got to try and do better there. And that's, I wouldn't expect anything less of Al Horford. You know, he's, he's a leader, he's got the experience, and I, I, it's nothing to really worry about there. I think it's, I think it'll be fine going forward. Yeah, I agree. Not concerned. Um, I think he has been playing under his usual standards of late. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're probably right there, Jackson. I think he's also, when, when you've got that kind of authority within the team, um, when, you, when you criticize yourself, you are by implication probably causing other people to have a look in the mirror. Totally. And look, there are some fans out there on the sub and beyond who are worried about Al Horford's uh, play as of late. Uh, So I I dug up some stats here that might uh, hopefully bring about some hope uh, to those people. So Al Horford uh, stats pre and post All-Star game for the last two years. So looking at the current year, uh, this current season, pre All-Star, he's averaged a tidy 13.3 points per game at 51% from the field uh, and 43.6% from beyond the arc, which is insane for a center or a power forward. Uh, 7.7 rebounds, 5.1 assists, and a block. Now, and I'm sure we're all too aware of this, in the few games after the All-Star break this year, just 7.2 points at 31% from the field, 5.7 rebounds and three assists and under one block in uh, admittedly five minutes less per game. So perhaps some resting going on leading up to the playoffs. Now, looking back at last year, pre-All-Star game in the 2016-2017 season, 14.6 points per game at 45% from the field. 6.6 6.6 rebounds, 5 assists, and 1.5 blocks. So similar pre-All-Star game stats. And in the few games after the All-Star game last year, 6 points per game on 32% from the field, 6.7 rebounds, and 3.7 assists. So uh, similarly, a, a little drop-off there after the All-Star game. Now we look uh, at the 2017 playoffs. Uh, I think we're all aware what happened there. 15 points per game, just under 60% field goal percentage, 52% from three, 6.6 rebounds, 5.4 assists, and of 
of course, a Eastern Conference Finals berth. So, you know, he turned it on in the playoffs, and while um, he did experience a similar dip after the All-Star game, I think maybe we can make a connection there that there's a, a bit of a post-All-Star game rest period. We can see it in Kyrie's minutes as well, where hopefully they're just kind of reeling it, reeling it in a little bit and conserving their energy uh, and conserving that effort so they can really let loose in the playoffs. So I thought that was an interesting take, and hopefully we'll calm down some of the Al Horford haters out there, and we can just kind of let him have his rest and you know rattle off some good wins against lesser teams and can conserve our energy for the more important portion of the season. Yeah, that's fascinating. The uh, points drop-off similar from last All-Star break to this one too, but I think it's also pretty encouraging that he performed in the playoffs last year like he did. I mean, I think we're all pretty confident that he's going to get it back together, so yeah, should be fine. Yeah. From my perspective, like we do need Al Horford scoring. Um, I think that we are a better team when he scores at a slightly above his normal rate. Um, when he's making shots, that defense just has to rotate over to him a little bit quicker, and 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 it gets the rest of the um, gets gets the rest of our passing game going. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. He's he's definitely the the backbone. Um, I was going to say of our offense, but probably of our, our team in general. Mm. Um, since we we signed uh, Al Horford, and we can you know sadly uh, probably thank Isaiah Thomas a little bit for that acquisition, and potentially Gordon Hayward as well. Um, but I digress. Um, he's just been such a difference maker for our team, both on and off the court. Like he's clearly a great influence for some of the younger guys. And you know, we talk often about the the quick and rapid growth of our, our younger players. And you would have to imagine that a lot of that has to do with not only Brad Stevens, but with the the veteran Al Horford as well. Yeah, and an All Star as well too. You know, that seems to just get completely glossed over. You know, even if he didn't feature that heavily in the game, an All Star is an All Star. A deserving so. Absolutely. All-Star. Completely. Yeah. yeah. It's cool to see someone uh, being recognized as an all-star, uh, you know, not necessarily for their stats, but just for their impact. And, you know, to have a guy like that to pair with Kyrie Irving is just incredible. All right. Well, that just about does it for episode three of the Celtics Reddit podcast. Uh, I've been Ben Vallis and joined uh, happily and as always by Jackson and Joe. Guys, thanks again for joining me. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. Pleasure as always. Yeah, it's been fun. I'm looking forward to uh, catching up again in a week's time. In the meantime, uh, please subscribe and and rate our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Pocket Casts. Uh, We're a small, new, and -and up-and-coming podcast, so I I hear these call-outs on podcasts all the time where people ask you to rate and subscribe, and I, to be fair, never really take the time to do so. Look, if you can do that for us, um, that really does help us out a a bunch. Um, And we see those ratings and we see those subscriptions and those likes come in and they're they're heartwarming every time. So please feel free to have that effect on our day-to-day lives. Uh, Otherwise... Five-star reviews get shout-outs. I haven't discussed that with anyone else, but I think we can... I think we can make time for you with a positive review. Totally, man. I could not agree more. Absolutely. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to reach out, you can catch us on Twitter at RCelticsPod. Or as always, you can find us around the subreddit. It's been great, guys. Uh, looking forward to talking next week. And we'll catch you all of you then. Thanks. Peace.